everybody, and this is Gerard Fox with The Verdict Is In. And I love the fact that our audience is growing. All of you just keep on listening and know that we are starting to have bigger and bigger guests, including one here today. We're not just having lawyers. We're having some sensational guests worth listening into. And I hope you're having a good day. Happy Thanksgiving for all of you. Be safe. Today, I have Danny Mizrari. He is a very special person because he is a business genius. Danny, welcome to the show. My pleasure, definitely. That's a little, a little too much praise, but I'll take whatever I can get, you know? No, he's a humble guy, but, but as we get into this, you'll realize. And for any of you who are people who are starting businesses or you're out there on your own and you're running a private business venture, listen into this and then follow up. Danny's a very generous guy, and, and you can contact him and, of course, his companies, which do amazing things. I want to read Danny's background here. Danny started his professional career at 14. He was a runner on the New York Mercantile Exchange where he learned the word contango and its meaning to always improve, gain value, where the future is higher than the present. After four years at the University of Maryland, hey, Terp fans. Yeah, let's go. Here we are, the Maryland grad. Danny came back to New York to be the director of sales and marketing for an IT consulting company. Soon after, he realized that there were better ways to help businesses than simply providing traditional IT support, manage services, and break-fix solutions. Contango IT was originally created in 2009 to leverage cloud technologies to help businesses lower costs, that's awesome, while increasing productivity, reliability, and availability of their data. Wouldn't we all love that? Big clap out. Since then, Contango IT has 30-plus people and has become much more specialized in IT service and support for over 170 businesses on a daily basis, providing custom programming, application development, infrastructure build-outs. Danny has also recently become the managing director for one of the top cybersecurity companies in the world, GRSE Americas. This is a big deal. We all hear a lot about cybersecurity. Danny and his wife, Sarah, have three children. All right. And uh, Shana, is that? Shana. Yeah, yeah, Shana. Shana uh, Oakley, named after Charles Oakley. No, I'm yeah, of course. And, and Rocco. And they uh, live in Manhattan. Let's get into it, Danny. First of all, let's talk about this company, Contango. Who are you and what do you do that set, separates you out from just anybody else that I Google for cybersecurity or or working with an IT uh, support firm? Sure. No, and, and thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, Contango IT, we are definitely different than our competitors. We've always been one step ahead of our competition. 11 years ago, when we were pitching cloud computing, I used to get booed off the stage, and I was doing CLEs and CPEs on cloud, and everyone would say the cloud will never exist. It'll never work. Get off the stage. You know, you're an idiot. And, and then uh, we became Google's first channel partner in the world, doing a lot of Google, or now it's called Google Workplace. Last week, it was called G Suite. Before that, it was called Google Apps for Business. But uh, we've always been you know, experts in that, on that product for now 11 years. But that's just one of the examples that we're one step ahead. And then getting back to the differentiator, we have 40 people doing just cybersecurity now. And that's very you know, far ahead of most IT companies. So while we are an IT company, managed IT and managed security company, Having those 40 people doing cybersecurity compliance gives us an edge 
and just one of those other examples of being one step ahead. Yeah, that's one-stop shopping for sure. Let's break down for the audience. Cybersecurity is one of those terms that we see all the time. What does it mean? What do you do? Yeah, so most people, you know, say cybersecurity and, and they have no idea what they're asking for. They're actually just asking for regular IT. And so most people, when they see, I, I really need to improve our cybersecurity or, or, or security posture for my company, for my law firm, for my accounting firm, for my business, they're really thinking about things like two-factor authentication and user awareness training, encrypted emails, encrypted laptops, getting ownership and control over all the machines and patching and things like that. So that's most of the time what people mean. But cybersecurity is really, in the way I see it, is it's actually a very compliance-driven business. So when we talk cybersecurity, we're talking compliance, compliance, compliance. So you know, our company, we're a qualified security assessor, which means we're the auditor for the PCI council. You, you know, a lot of people have heard PCI this, PCI that. So we're the actual auditor. So we do a lot of PCI compliance. HIPAA is a type of compliance you've heard of. Um, and then there's the Privacy Act now, right? So GDPR in Europe and CCPA in California. New York just came out with the Shield Act, which is going to, you know, New York has to make some money. So you better believe that uh, they're going to start trying to make some money via Shield pretty soon, I'm assuming. And then we do SOC 2 readiness and ISO readiness. That's really the cybersecurity compliance game is very requirement driven. Nobody's spending too much money on real cybersecurity compliance until they get hit with the requirement. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they say, okay, now we got to get it done. And, and our job is to get it done efficiently and effectively, get those requirements off their plate, right? So they can keep selling to those bigger businesses because those bigger businesses are the ones asking for those compliance, right? So now they can't even sell into those companies until they're compliant on cybersecurity. And uh, we got to get them there quickly so they can keep you know, going upstream and selling to bigger businesses. Well, this is very important for anybody who's in a professional business. In fact, my I've gone to a couple of state bar conferences, and the state bar is becoming very, very acutely aware of the fact that clients' documents and information will get hacked. And all you lawyers out there, and all you accountants, all you stockbrokers and investment advisors, all you folks who have a fiduciary duty, that duty extends to the need to hold everything in confidence. And it's no longer acceptable to say, oh, one of my lawyers down the hall was, you know, they have different apps and there was some Trojan horse that came in. And sorry to tell you that all your confidential documents are all over the Internet that's going to get you disbarred in a, in a year or two. So if you were to come to a firm like mine, a law firm, take us through a couple of steps that you would do. I mean, you know, where do you start to go to work? Well, the first thing is the basics, right? So we would, we would perform any business. We say two people, 10 people, 200 people. We would always start off with what we call as a needs assessment project scope, which is, you know, I guess a fancy way of saying an audit. So we would audit the environment. We would do more than just look at technology, we want to have a sit-down conversation with the decision makers and office managers. We want to ask them questions about the future of their business. We're not just relying on the technology, but we want to talk to them. Are you growing? Are you adding? Are you expanding? What are you worried about? And what other businesses? Like if you said to me, I'm getting into real estate law, that comes specifically on working with banks. That's a whole different level of complexity because the banks, what are called third-party compliance checklists or vendor requirement letters, are very intense. You know, you can't just do business with a bank and have regular IT. It's not even uh, 
it's not even enough, right? So we would do a needs assessment project scope. We would want to handle all that low-hanging fruit first. We don't want to bring a business like yours, a small business, into the cybersecurity world until we handle the low-hanging fruit with regular IT consulting and services. So once we get control over the environment, we handle all the basics. Now we have a managed environment where we can see 24-7 what's going on in your environment, any kind of intrusions, any kind of disk space being low. We can see if people are downloading data in bulk. We could see if they're adding a USB stick for the first time. They've never done that before. And, and all of a sudden they're adding, you know, they're downloading files or deleting files or moving a whole folder into another folder. That's an event that we want to monitor for. That's an unusual event. So we're going that far when it comes to just regular IT. Remember, this is still not cybersecurity. We want to set up phishing and spoofing campaigns for the whole year, right? So all year round, we're phishing and spoofing because most threats are these phishing and spoofing attempts where people are clicking on things that they should not be clicking on, right? And they're, and they're downloading things they should not be downloading. They're adding their passwords to places where they're not supposed to add their passwords. They're going to the internet and looking up, you know, we've had this before, QuickBook support or Canon printer support. And then they're calling the first number that they see on the, on the internet. And it's just a hacker trying to get into the machine and it works all the time. So we see all of these situations and we want to make sure that that's the most common is these phishing and spoofing attempts. So, you know, we create the emails year round and try to get them to click on things and they do. And then we say, now you got to watch more training. And then we report to the C-suite and say, you have these same users that are clicking on these things and adding their passwords constantly and, and almost initiating a wire transfer. Right. So, so this, and by the way, all of this is regular IT, making sure, you know, and, and this is a good one for, for listeners, an easy one. People say, well, my laptop has a password on it. So if someone gets my laptop, it's fine. You know, they can't, they don't have my password. And I say, all right, well, if the laptop's not encrypted, the hard drive's not encrypted, you take out the hard drive, you put it in another machine, and now I see your data. That, that password has nothing, you know, to do with anything if the hard drive's not encrypted, right? So these are just little things that you got to make sure that, that a law firm, any firm, really, any firm that has people and data are taking care of the basics. We didn't even talk about backup and disaster recovery, right? So, you know, people say, I have backup. And I'm like, okay, let's play a game. What happens if your environment disappears? What do you do? They say, well, I guess I'll buy another server. And I'm like, okay, so that's 10 days. You can't just buy a server. You have to configure a server. You know, you have to get it shipped to you. You got to install it. So backup is not disaster recovery, right? Antivirus and firewalls. People, I have an antivirus. I have firewall, right? And I say, okay, is it being patched? Because you're only as good as your last patch. Right, because the latest threat is the last update or patch to those systems. So if you're not updating your firewall, you're not protected. If you're not updating your antivirus, you're not protected. If you're not patching your computer, you're not protected. So getting control over all of this is just regular IT. And after that, we could talk about cybersecurity, which is different, very compliance-driven. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, audience, but I'm learning a hell of a lot right now. Um, Denny, how do you guys charge? Because businesses out there, if your ears are perked up, and we're going to get to Danny's information, you're going to want to call this guy in a hurry. Because honestly, I think these are some things that you, even I'm, I, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about. So how do you guys charge? Well, so the way that we charged, if you called yesterday, everything was free. But today, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we actually, for a small business to do a needs assessment project scope, it's a couple hundred bucks because we're just trying to get in the door. And then we charge a fixed monthly fee 
depending on, you know, it's like a menu, I guess, but a fixed monthly fee. We actually, very different than our competitors in this regard, we, we include projects, we include on-site visits, we include network support, all in that we call it Contango Unlimited or Contango Unlimited Security Plus, which adds all those security features to it. At the end of the day, we charge a small amount to do an audit and then a fixed monthly fee to do Contango Unlimited. But that monthly fee for a 40 user shop is less than one help desk guy for the whole year, right? So you can't, you can't hire anyone for less than $65,000, $70,000, right? Including benefits or not even nowadays, probably have to add the benefits on top of that. But you can't hire a CTO and our fees are less than that for a small business for the whole year unlimited, right? But, but you can't hire a CTO that's okay with doing help desk work. And you can't hire a help desk guy who knows the skill set to do CTO work. And you, you can't hire a network engineer to manage the network who wants to do help desk work. But if you hire a company like ours, we're doing CTO, network engineer, and the full help desk with a 60 to 90 second response time. We have a chat box. Anyone could just open the chat, start chatting with a technician, 60 to 90 seconds. And um, all of that is less than one full-time hire for a small business. So it doesn't, you know, it, it's just a no-brainer. Um, not just us. There's other IT companies too. You know, but to outsource to a you know an IT company that provides these type of services is good. But what makes you guys special is that you are very, very you, have, you know elite professionals that are handling regular IT services, but you're also into the important stuff on cybersecurity, and there you got a leading edge. So that gives you kind of a a rare leg up. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, it's just they're bleeding into each other so often where we just picked up an accounting firm that said, you know, to play with the big boys, I got to do a SOC 2 audit. I have to do a SOC 2 readiness and get SOC 2 certified. We do that for, we we just did that for a top 20 accounting firm revenue-wise in the entire country, prepare them for their SOC 2 audit. But now a 25-person company is saying, I have to be SOC 2 certified also. So we got to get them up to par on their regular IT, and then we have that expertise also. We have 25 penetration, penetration testers. Eight of them are certified ethical hackers. So a lot of people are like, what the hell is a certified, part of my French, you know, what the heck is a cer uh, certified ethical hacker? I say, well, they take continuing education just like lawyers do. They take continuing education like accountants and architects, right? And they have to stay up to date and keep their license current to maintain that certified ethical hacker license. So it's just like you guys in, in law, you have to stay up to date. Now, let me ask you, the full plate of services you guys provide, if somebody, if a company's out there and they already have their IT company that orders their computers and their monitors and their cameras and their microphones and hooks it all up and uh, handles their, uh, their network, if they were to bring your company in, can they throw those guys away and you guys will suddenly step in and also do that? Or we can work together with them. We love playing in the sandbox with others. I mean, there is a... I guess the law of diminishing returns there of too many, you know, chefs spoil the stew, right? You don't want to have five chefs, right? But we could play sous chef. We're good at that. We work with a lot of CTOs for a lot of banks, big companies. FICO is a great client of ours where we do day-to-day -day cybersecurity compliance for them. So we work with internal IT all day, every day also. But it's important to know, you know, who's the chef and who's the sous chef, right? So we, we're fine with playing both roles. We're also the first ones to say you're in good shape. If we walked into a, a small business and did our needs assessment project scope and it was great and we said, you know, and, and you know, because some people say to me, I, I want to come to you because I want to lower my cost. 
And I say, that's not the right reason to switch IT. You know, if you're not happy with the service and you want to lower the cost, that might be something. But if you're happy with the service, you know, we, we got to see where we can add value besides just lowering costs. Because then the first time there's an IT issue, it's not an IT issue, it's a, a quality issue, you know, even though it's a regular IT issue, right? But it still might be perceived as a quality issue because they lowered their cost. We don't want business for that reason, but we, we generally are able to help lower costs, but that's not the reason that we want the business. We want them to have good IT. And by the way, I, you know me, I, I don't charge for my time. I'm the owner of both companies and I'm not smart enough to bill for my time, but although I've been doing this for quite a while, so I can experience share and, uh, and, and advice, brainstorming, et cetera, with anyone that's listening, anyone at any time. It's my pleasure to brainstorm on, on what's good IT, what's bad IT, what you should be asking your IT company, right? If you want to poke them a little bit. That's my pleasure. And maybe you could throw out a few tips, you know, just a few, of what an employee at a business shouldn't be doing on their computer at work or their laptop now that they're working from home. What are the no-nos, like the giant no-nos? Well, the giant ones, the biggest thing is the phishing and spoofing, right? Especially with people working from home. It used to be you look at your neighbor and say, hey, did you ask me for that wire transfer? You go into the, the office of the CFO and you say, um, you know, excuse me, uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. CFO, you know, did you ask me for a wire transfer that? And they're like, no, that's a fake email. Don't do it. Right. But now everyone's at home. It's not so easy to walk into someone's office and ask them. Right. And the same thing with, you know, hey, did you send me that link? It looks like a Dropbox link. You know, but did you send me it? No, I didn't send you that. Throw it to spam. Right. You know, so so that's a big thing. Just communicating with your team and, and, and seeing the signs of, you know, understanding what, how to tell if something's fake, how to tell if a website is fake, how to tell if an email is fake. That's very important. But it's not, it shouldn't be up to the end users. It shouldn't be up to the employees. That's not how this works. They're not smart enough. No offense, right? I'm not smart enough. I'm an end user. I'm not smart enough. My IT locks me down. I'm not allowed to go to certain websites not allowed to open up links that are fishy. My anti-spam solution makes sure that it, it, it flags some of these things to ask a neighbor, right? We have two-factor authentication set up. So even if someone has my password, which by the way, you could do a dark web report on your business, on anyone's business, and all the passwords are out there. All the passwords are out there. Hackers let you know about it all the time. They send you an email and they say, I know your password, I know your login, I have access to your camera, I have dirty videos of you, I'm gonna send it to your whole, it's all fake. You know, but they do have the they do have the password, they do have the login, but if you have two factor authentication set up, they can't get in until they have your phone or an authentication app. Well, making sure that for compliance reasons, this is big. So you're a law firm, right? How many times did you have an attachment? You guys probably have good IT, but firms like yours, how many times do you have an attachment with PII inside the attachment? PII, personal identifiable information, that is not supposed to go out in plain Jane email. Right. You know, that's supposed to go to a secure portal, similar to like when you get your tax return, you know, you have to click on a link, go to a website, enter a code or put in your email, blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's how to send PII or PHI, personal healthcare information, personal identifiable information. And, and by the way, if you're on Office 365 or you're on G Suite, you already own the tools. All you have to do is turn it on. Right. So most companies aren't even doing this and they own it. And it's not up to the employees. It's not. It's up to management and then whoever's responsible for the IT to not give them the excuse to mess something up. I'd rather lock down the internet browser 
and ask them, hey, I really needed that website for some research. Maybe it's a gambling website. I really need that website for some research because we're, we're talking to them about business and we might take over their law. It might take over their accounting, but it's locked for me. All right, we'll, we'll whitelist it. No, now you can go to that website, right? But it's better safe than sorry. What, what does the word whitelisting mean? Uh, whitelisting is when, so a lot of times our clients will say we're banning social media sites from the browsers for the whole business. Can't go to the office or use a company computer and look at Facebook. End of story. It's just not allowed, right? Now, we don't, we don't always recommend that because of the culture consequences. You know, better than me, culture means everything for a company. So there's a balance there. But we can whitelist only Facebook, right? We can lock down TikTok and lock down Snapchat. We can lock down all the social media websites, but then the owner of the company says, actually, we do a lot of business on Facebook. We do advertising on Facebook. So can you whitelist Facebook? Let that one through, right? That's what whitelisting is. Same thing on email. You know, a lot of times email addresses get put into spam, the whole domain. So you can whitelist the domain. You might have a client that sends you email and they're on RBL lists, the real-time blacklist. And so every time they email you, it's going into your spam folder and it's not your fault, their fault because they've been spamming people, usually with email blasts, right? They're spamming people they're not supposed to. So they get put on a blacklist. So now they're going into your spam. So what we do is we say, we're going to whitelist that email address or that domain, you know, the website address. And so now those will come through, right? They won't get put over to spam, even though they're on a real-time blacklist. And Danny, my sense of it is that these issues will only become more acute. Competition today, unfortunately, involves people doing things that maybe aren't even legal. And certainly we've seen it in the political environment where people will look to try to hack into or get into the information of their opponent. And so because technology is improving and always changing and because people think it's sometimes okay to, you know, try to empty your bank account or steal your documents or post something on your own website that might not even be there that you want. This seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're running a business, you have your payroll company, you have your health insurance that you provide, no one's going to skip providing their employer's health insurance. This seems like it goes on the necessary list because of when you open up an accounting firm, a law firm, an advertising firm, you're bringing in all this information and it needs to be protected, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, sexual harassment training is mandatory. And so a lot of the times what we do is we go over to HR and we say, you know, you told everyone about sexual harassment training, do the same thing with end user security awareness training. Here's the link. Just make it mandatory. Yeah. And how, how long does that training take? There's small videos, five-minute videos, six-minute videos, seven-minute videos. You could customize it. You could give them six videos to watch. You can give them three videos to watch. You could sort it by, you know, sometimes not to sound ageist, but sometimes it's based on age groups. So some older people need to watch more of the videos because they're not as tech savvy, which is okay. You know, I'm not trying to be ageist, but some of the younger people know what a fake email looks like. And then by the way, sometimes it's the opposite, right? You have people that will just click on anything because they think it's a Snapchat or whatever it is. So, you know, generally speaking, you do want them to watch the videos. You do want them to take the tests. And frankly, you do want them to have a campaign year round. You know, we do it for most of our clients. We do it every quarter. Send out the emails and see who clicks on what. How do people get in touch with you? So our website is contangoit.com, C-O-N-T-A-N-G-O-I-T.com, contangoit.com. And you could always email me uh, DM at contangoit.com, first initial, last initial, uh, 
at contangoit.com. And I'm happy to help, even if second, opi- second uh, opinion, advice, anything like that, you know, brainstorming, it's my pleasure for sure. Yeah, and I want to give a big endorsement to my uh, listening audience. Danny is a business savant. He'll be humble about it. He is open and he'll talk to you as he's coaching you through your IT and cybersecurity. You might talk to him about, well, my employees are this way. This is a man who has a lot of experience dealing with different types of employees and workforce issues. So a phone call out to this guest is time worth spent. Everyone have happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Be cool. Thank you, Danny. No, my pleasure. Thanks, Jerry, so much. Happy Thanksgiving. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.